welcome to the Pan Podcast from KXE in London. As a church, we want to learn ways of being with Jesus, becoming like him and doing the things he did in order to see the city we love transformed. This podcast is a resource to help us explore these spirit-filled patterns of living and start putting them to practice every day. For this episode, we're tackling something right at the heart of the Christian life, devotional prayer. Pete James chatted with Lucy Pepiat, the principal of Westminster Theological Centre, to understand what it is, why it makes a difference, and how we can give it a go ourselves. Lucy, thank you so much for joining us today, making the time to talk about devotional prayer. We really appreciate it. Thanks, Pete. Uh, should, we, should we go straight in with um, just, if you could maybe explain a little bit you know, briefly, what are we talking about when we talk about devotional prayer? And amongst all the other ways of praying in particular, what, what stands out about de- devotional prayer? What, what is it? Yeah, well, devotional prayer is our own personal prayer, I would say, with God. So it's our time with God, and it's quite individual. So it's obviously your own devotion um, and the time that you set aside to be with God. So there's intercessory prayer that we have in church when we pray corporately and there would be something like liturgical prayer which would be similar which would be sort of set of prayers um, that we might go through in a season with a church so there are different ways of praying but this one I would think of very much as the type of prayer that where Jesus says you know go into your closet go into go go away and um, pray your prayers kind of on your own. So I, th- I would say devotional prayer is that. And um, why is this way of praying so important? It's important because, well, both forms of prayer are important, praying in and with a community and developing a prayer life on our own. I think devotional prayer is really important because I think that one of the key elements of devotional prayer is the personal disclosure to God. So it's the time when we come to God and are with him. And ideally, I would say, where we kind of let our defenses down and we disclose who we are to him. We let him search us by his spirit and through his word. So I would include some scripture reading in that. I can talk, I'd like to talk about that later. But, um, but so it's that time, like in a love relationship where you set aside time, just quality time for that person that you love, which is very different from mingling in a big crowd and enjoying the fact that they're there, but um, it's not quite the same. And the agenda is so open, whereas when you're praying corporately, of course, the agenda is led by whoever's leading the prayer or led as the group feels, you know, here, we're going to go here now. Whereas when it's you and God, there actually isn't really an agenda. And so you're coming to him. It's open space for you and him. And um, those times with him are deeply formational for us as people, uh, just as the corporate times are. But they're different. They form us in different ways. Um, Just following on from that, what what sort of... um attitude or posture do we need to have then as we try and approach Jesus in this way through devotional prayer life what's the sort of attitudes that we need to come to him with well I would say um don't pretend you know don't, and and, don't, and drop all the sort of uh jargony ideas of how you should what you should say and how you should say it and 
Um, Because I think sometimes when we pray out loud with other people, we get a bit formulaic. You know, we all just pray, don't we? We all say things and do things, and that's fine. It doesn't matter, but um, because we're we're part of a crowd, and so we do it like that, or intercessory prayers in an Anglican church. Okay, you know how someone's going to intone, and you know how what someone's going to say, and so there's a sense of sort of slightly predictable. But when it is just you and God, you don't have to do it. That there's no rules. You know, you can just be who you are. You can say the words that you want to say. You can say what's in your heart and on your mind. And um, and I think that's the fundamental posture to grow in prayer is. To, to know that you're coming to the person who knows you inside out anyway. So you may as well just launch in. So where do we see this kind of prayer in the scriptures and maybe particularly in the life of Jesus? Well, in the scriptures, we see it in the Psalms. So the Psalms are our template for, you know, say what you want, say what's on your mind, um, speak out to God the things that you want to express to him. In the life of Jesus, it's really interesting because we don't, uh, obviously the only prayer, we, we have windows into his prayers in, on, um, in Gethsemane and then on the cross. Um, but actually, the, the New Testament tells us that Jesus withdrew on his own to pray all the time. So he goes um, up a mountain and he goes into desert places. Uh, so there are there are three significant places for prayer in the Bible: gardens, mountains, and deserts. And um, they're all, you know, it, there's a, there's significance about place, and I think that actually matters where we pray. And then Jesus says, you know, go into a private place to pray. Um, so, as much as I'm a great fan of praying on the hoof and praying as we're busy, because my life is constantly busy. I actually think that the model we're given in scripture it, for a fruitful prayer life is a with, is in, involves a withdrawal and it involves seclusion. And um, that's the, you know, the mountain signifies that you go higher up towards God. It's where he reveals himself to his people. Um, and the garden, we know, in the, you know, in the first garden, he walked with it, Adam and Eve. And um, and in the desert, Jesus is taken out into the desert where God does the most profound work in him and for us through him, by him overcoming the temptations. So there are places of battle, a personal battle in prayer. There's places of drawing near to God and there's places of just walking, just being, you know, and actually that sort of peaceful. The garden, I think, is a place of peace and and fruitfulness and communing with God in that way. So, so we see it in Jesus's life, but we don't actually, we're not actually privy to the long prayers, but I would imagine that he also would have been praying the Psalms. You know, he begins a Psalm on the cross, Psalm 22. Um, and he, and, and we see uh, raw anguish in the garden and then his disciples say to him, teach us how to pray which it is, it, that's a really fascinating moment because they were Jewish boys, so they knew how to pray. They'd been brought up praying. But they, something in the way he prayed, in the, and, and I think you get the impression that sometimes they were able to sort of watch him from a slight distance um, because they were there, but he was praying on his own. 
And I think that he, so he, his prayer life drew them in. You know, they were thinking, wait, he's praying really differently from us. And I think I felt that in my life of watching people and thinking, I think their prayer life is, you know, profound. And I would love to learn to pray how they pray. So, um, so we don't, we kind of don't know how he prayed, but we know that obviously he prayed with power and he prayed with passion and he prayed in a way that made his disciples think we want to do that. You know, that's amazing. So, and then he teaches them the Lord's prayer, which we say in an incredibly boring way, (laughs) you know, and I'm like, I don't think it quite had that connotation, but anyway, but I say the Lord's prayer most days, I would say. So if we start to get to grips then with that kind of prayer, so it's very honest, it's very raw. Uh, there's no pretense we've dropped the masks and we're coming to Jesus in a very personal way and that's as we as a church started to get a grip on that and made it an important part of our life how how do you think our relationship with Jesus will change and how do you anticipate it would actually change us personally well I think that encountering Jesus doesn't can't not change us so just having him around um it changes us, sensing his presence. Um, but I think that is—I think that actually is something that we can cultivate. So it's not that I don't. I, I think the Holy Spirit's always with us. Um, but it is that sense of tuning in, of offering time and space to God for Him to to speak to us. So I think that there's a sort of dialogical aspects of prayer which is kind of hard to describe and I know that people just experience it in very different ways so some people will um, get senses and emotions and feelings other people will hear words other people will be directed to certain places in scripture Um, and other people will just get ideas and jot them down I think all those things can be God communicating with us but that sort of interactive prayer really of you know, I'm with God and he's with me and the expectation that he's going to communicate something to me um, is what changes us because that then, that that he's real and he changes situations. And I think all of us who've prayed for any length of time will have had experiences where we've started off asking for one thing and by the end of the prayer time, we've dropped the ask and we felt actually this is more about me changing my perspective than me getting what I want from God. So, the, but that can only happen in relationship and in, in in dialogue. You know, it doesn't it doesn't happen unless we put the time in for that. And are all of the um, benefits, so to speak, of this are they all inward? You know, are they all just for us, or do you expect an impact on the world around us as we grow in this stuff too? Oh, no, I very much expect, I mean, I think intercession. So so part of, there's lots of things that happen when we spend time with God in prayer. And um, some of it will be for me, you know, so so, sometimes it's confession and help, you know, God help, I need help because I'm feeling like this or, um, and just needing his presence or calm or peace or whatever. Um, and and very often, obviously, we're crying out for something to change in our lives or the people we love around us. You know, the the, the 
pain of the world is something that that we bring to God when we pray. And um, I really think that because it's something we can't see, the direct impact of intercession, we tend to lose sight of the power of it. Um, But I'm totally convinced that there is an enormous power in the praying church, the interceding church, and and that individuals can be agents of change without anyone ever knowing. Um, And if you read books like Reese Howells, you know, you read about these great intercessors, um, it's deeply challenging, the, the idea that working in God's kingdom might look like being in your study, you know, or your bedroom or whatever. Amazing, amazing. And just to be a, a little more practical then moving forward, like from your experience personally and from the years you spent, I suppose, trying to equip Christians in the role that you play, what, what are the main obstacles that, you, that you've observed to a thriving devotional prayer life? Um, busyness is like huge. Um, and I think that we, you know, we are very busy in our, in our culture. So we, we had seven years, in, uh, six years in Zimbabwe when, 20 years ago. And um, it's a different rhythm, different life. You know, we, everybody was in bed by half past eight, nine o'clock and um, got up incredibly early. Um, it was just easier to have time and it's not easy in the West. Um, so time is a huge issue and it's a constant battle to make time and then to make time that is quiet and not invaded with um you know, messages all the time and things on our phones. And so dealing with distraction, I think, is a huge thing. And we all have to find ways of being able to do that, whether it's turning off a phone or picking up a notebook. So I I tend to pray with a notebook because I just, I know my mind's going to be all over the place. So instead of writing it, I just write while I'm praying often um I don't know people just can do lots of different things sometimes absolute silence isn't that helpful so maybe some music or you know I think you have to find um it's very much personality based I think praying well and not trying to fit into somebody else's shoes Mm. and um getting rid of all the guilt of it's never you know, it's not long enough. If you have five minutes, use five minutes, you know, because five minutes of prayer is going to be way better than none. And um, and actually, you can pray some really good prayers in five minutes. Uh, so, but I think, yeah, it's sort of being adaptable, um, not doing it in that, with that sense of, oh, I must do, I must get this done. But remembering that it's a gift, prayer's God's gift to us because it's his time with us as well as our time with him. And, um, and so it's not, you know, it's not a duty. It's a gift. And, and I think when people are, um, you would love what you're saying there about not trying to fit in someone else's shoes, essentially, because I think people hear of this sort of famous quiet times of, of Christian heroes and whatever, and they try and do the same thing and emulate that. What, what's the, how do it, given the, are these challenges around busyness and, and all of that, and distraction how, how do we actually start to try and overcome those what is it just willpower is it just us being determined 
uh, or, or what's the role of the Holy Spirit? What's the role of us being in community in this, even though it's an individual uh, devotional prayer life? Um, yeah, I mean, disciplined people um, can certainly be in it at, uh, at an advantage, <laughs> spiritual <laughs> disciplines. But um, but creative, chaotic people are are often actually better at having fun with God and hearing God and, you know, so I don't think one is better than the other. Um, but it's the, the willpower, I think, it um, functions because it's just that sense of I, sh- I, I am going to do this, you know. Um, so it's a decision. And making that decision at some point is really important. And then just sticking to it. So people who are better at doing that are will find it easier and if it's not if it doesn't come naturally for someone um then i think the community is such an important place such an important part then and um, so either somebody is going to be naturally disciplined and have quite a lot of willpower and will just organize their day you know and organize their time um, but then sometimes life just throws something at you and even the most organized people literally can't do that anymore and that's probably quite good for those kind of people as well to be just everything's thrown up in the air so what do you do now and um and other people just are naturally really chaotic so i think um and in those times the people around you are so important so i think that that just someone sitting with you for five minutes and saying well let's pray together you know or coming round or phoning you up and praying over the phone or you know so you've got you've got other people kind of carrying you into prayer um even though you're you're not gonna from your own willpower and discipline get yourself there so we can help we can help each other that's awesome so if someone has literally never prayed devotionally before or they or very rarely what should their first steps be um, I think the first step would be to look at your day and work out when would be a good time of day for you and where. So finding your little space um, where you think that that's going to work. And it may be a different time of day and space in a different day. So just literally getting your diary out, your calendar and I would put the times in if you know if it's something you're learning to do. And um, my husband sets a timer when he prays. And we we were praying for some people at the weekend, and we had to we gave people 15 minutes slots. So we set the timer. And, the, and Nick said oh, to this person, I'm so sorry, I'm doing this. And she said, No, I do it all the time when I pray. And I was like, Oh my gosh, there's two of you. You know, <laughs> people set timers. Um, and then they, you know, and then that's your prayer time is up. Um, but it's really just putting it in. So it's in there, setting a reminder on your phone. There's a 24 seven prayer app that's come out. So you could use that. Um, but, and, and I would aim for daily. I think that's good aim. Uh, doesn't always happen, but it's a good aim. And, and then what about those who've been a Christian for years? Uh, but they're kind of growing stagnant in this area of their life or <clears throat> just feel a bit stuck in it all. What would you say to them? 
Um, I would say I'd really encourage people to pray in tongues. I think it's become a bit, um, well, it sort of has been unfortunate, I think, that tongues isn't viewed as just a kind of normal little gift that all Christians would, of course, have. So it's become a big barrier for some people and it's taken on a significance because of sort of some slightly strange theology and practices over the years. It's been invested with a significance that I don't think it should have. So I think it is just a gift to help us to pray. And um, I find I pray in tongues a lot and I often pray in tongues at the beginning of a prayer time just to sort of, I, in a sense, yeah, to unsettle me out of that sense of, oh, I know where this is going, you know, and maybe to say to God, I'd like, I, I feel like it sort of helps me to clear a way to God in some way. And, and I like to think that it will help me to pray his prayers in me rather than all my own prayers. Um, so I'd say uh, pray in tongues, read. Um, so the scriptures are really really wonderful can be a really wonderful springboard to our prayers and I think reading the Bible and praying is important and I would really differentiate between studying reading the Bible to study which is an important thing to do and every Christian should do that um, and reading the Bible to use it as a springboard for devotion and normally evangelicals use it only for that you know so they think oh I'll just open the bible and somehow that's going to you know help me to start my devotional prayer but that's not going to work if you suddenly find yourself in the beginning of one chronicles or somewhere in the Leviticus, and you know and then you think oh well, that's not, you know so using the scriptures wisely and intentionally like finding Paul's prayers in Ephesians and Philippians using some of the psalms but not all of the psalms um you know it, it, that will help us it'll keep the our prayers sort of fresh closer to god um yeah those kind of things thank you so much in terms do you have any final encouragements to us as a church um around the area of devotional prayer and this practice of trying to be with jesus in this way um i think the it's something that's so worth investing in. And I think that the other thing that helps us to do it is to share our stories of prayer. So to pray with other people and then just to build a culture of the, the fun of praying and the life of praying. And, you know, the more we share stories, the more you, we kind of build in each other a, a sense of, Oh, I'd love that too. You know, like I was saying, when you when you meet great men and women of prayer, you feel this sort of slight sense of envy of, oh, I'd love to have a prayer like that. And so, but that only comes through stories and watching how people see lives change around them in their own lives as they pray. And then you think, I'd love to join them on that whole side of life. Thank you for listening to the Pattern Podcast. If you'd like to explore more spiritual patterns of living, head over to pattern.org.uk.